This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'd also like, we have a special guest today. Which is Dan Levine. I'd like to welcome Dan, who is a freelance journalist known to anyone who listens to the fancast, follows him on Twitter, follows his pieces, he writes in various journals. Because Dan's taking questions on a range of issues, and some of those issues are on the agenda, rather than just park Dan at the end, we're going to have a bit of interaction as we go through the agenda. We're very keen to get questions, your follow-up questions, sort of supplementary questions, because some of the issues being discussed are fundamental to the to the future of uh, of, of Chelsea Football Club. Can't promise you'll always have answers. No, I'll, I'll try. But you know, I think it, it, it's good to get good to get an insight. Also, before I start, just quickly, I'd like to go round and introduce you to some of you who haven't been to these meetings before to the uh, trust board members. We have our secretary, Paul Jeffrey. Debbie Cody, our Vice Chair Neil Jenkin, Ian Roger, Richard Weeks, <laughs> Neil Beard, sorry. What did I say? Jenkin. I went to college with Neil Jenkin. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I apologise. <laughs> we have Celia Middleton. We have, just looking around the room, Jules Beattie. And I think that's it. David Chidgey has sent his apologies. And Dave Johnson, sorry, Dave, in front of me. And, in fact, Cliff August, sorry. I'm not doing this very well, really, am I? Can we start again? So it's Dave Johnson, Cliff August, and Charles, Charles Jackson, who's just arrived. No problem. Right, the first item on the agenda, at the, at the AGM and in the survey, we, we did votes on various priorities... For the, for the coming season um, and we committed that we would at these meetings give updates to members now some of them are blindingly obvious the redevelopment Chelsea pitch owners some of them are probably less strategic but they're, st- they're still important we'll, we'll work through them one by one the first one is the Stamford Bridge redevelopment now what I'd like to do on this the, the, to, be, to be frank in, we have, there's no real news since we last had a 
a VGM or even the uh, SGM six months ago. But it's obviously it's a it is the most important issue facing the trust and facing facing supporters. But handily, having Dan here who kicks his ear to the ground, and I would say he's probably as knowledgeable as anybody in terms of what's what the current situation is. Dan, I don't know if you want to. Sort of give a, the meeting a feel for where yeah. you think things sit at the moment, yeah, and then we'll take follow-up questions. Um, I've written a piece that's out this today, I'm just going to plug some of my own work here, if, if you have a look on uh, Eurosport's piece specifically about this, and if you've already read it, a lot of what I'm about to say is going to be very familiar. Um, but basically, um, as you all know, the club submitted planning application to Hammersmith and Fuller Council six months ago now. Um, it's an enormous planning application, as you also know, it's 211 documents over a thousand pages, and they're sitting there looking at it, water testing it for you know, how it complies with planning law, getting a grand um, consultation of businesses, interested parties, that means the police, ambulance, fire, all <coughs> sorts of people on this. Um, and we're currently, or the club, or indeed not the club, sorry, the, the applicant is currently awaiting um, a, a date for it to go to committee where there will be a decision on yay or nay. I say the applicant because it's not actually the club's applications, you may also know. It's um, the application of Fordstam Limited, who are the holding company who are above um, Chelsea Football Club. It, effectively, this is Roman Abramovich's baby on his own. He's, he's, he's got his own people together. It's not club people, and they're um, pushing this through. Now, the piece that I've written today that you, you may go and click a link on later... Um, says that there are two things that that, that doesn't really tell us. Um, the first is um, precise timescales, although there is an outline timescale in there, and the other thing is funding. Um, on timescales... Sorry, am I going on too long? No, no, okay? fine. No, I, yeah. You can go as much detail as you sure. um, On timescales, um, one of the things that's interesting is that there's supposed to be some movement on this at the end of this season. They're supposed to start decking over the railway line and that's the first tranche of work. That's to increase the space available to build upon. Um, and that can go on, in, in theory, while we still inhabit the ground as a club for the following year. Um, there's no news whether or not that's going to happen at this stage, this summer. Um, and the vacation of the ground the following summer is being questioned by a, a bit of Bush Telegraph information that's doing the rounds. There's suggestion uh, that um, corporate um, boxes and things are being let currently on two, three-year leases, um, which would rather question where they're going to be if we're moving out in two years. Um, and there's also the suggestion that ancillary staff who work around match days have also been told, don't worry, your jobs are fine after the end of next season. Um, and if we were moving to, for example, Wembley, then that might also raise a question mark. It's difficult getting concrete information on these things at the moment but but there's a lot of talk suggesting that that original time scale start this summer move next summer may be under question so watch this space on that the other issue is the funding um and there, there are two possibilities here either the, the russian puts in his hand in his pocket and is as benevolent as he has been with the club in the past or as seems more likely he's going to go to the markets or perhaps a, a venture partner who let's face it, it's probably going to be Chinese because um, that's where all the money is coming from and do some sort of cash for equity, equity deal. Um, now, there's been no formal announcement on this um, but on, on that, that would, the, 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 the prevailing thought is that if someone's going to come in and say we'll build you a new stadium if we can have a certain percentage of the club which is what I'm talking about here then the expectation would be that the club would own its own land and of course we know it doesn't because a lot of people in here will have shared certificates at home in Chelsea pitch owners. 
Now, that neatly probably goes on to the next question here yep. of CPO. Yep. And I'll just quickly go around that. The feeling is um, that CPO and a lot of shareholders probably don't want to sell. That's certainly the feeling I get talking to people, and it's the general um, temperature in the room with CPO meets. There's also a feeling here, um, just from various things picked up, that there may be a cooling of interest from the club in purchasing the freehold. They may be realised the size of the, the issue that they've got against them, and they may realise that um, it's just an insurmountable hurdle. So then that raises the question, if you don't own your own property, how on earth do you mortgage it? How on earth do you get somebody to, to fund against it? And that possibly leads on to, and this is just a speculative point, there's one other way that that could be done, and that would be to extend the lease. The lease at the moment is 180 years from Chelsea Pitch Owners, which in the terms of a £500 million development is not an especially long time, believe it or not. Um, if Chelsea to, were to be able to negotiate with CPO an extension of the lease to, say, a 1,000 years, then that may provide the sureness that any, investment, any investor may require and may almost be as good as owning the land themselves, although pitch owners would actually continue ownership. This is all speculative at the moment, um, and it's just made up of things that I'm hearing in the wind from different areas. But I think a lot of this is going to come to a head this summer, and I think it's one that, that needs watching very carefully. Do you, you actually think there'll be progress or announcements this, this summer? Um, well, one way or another, there needs to be, doesn't there? Because the, ori- the original plan suggests that um, work is going to start this summer. Okay. And yep. if it doesn't suddenly start, then the questions will certainly be asked. Yep. Because... Yep. Where, where, do you know where we are with the planning process? The planning process is that the, the borough council has the plans. They're, it's it, it's a massive bit of work. They've had them six months. Um, what, what was the original schedule for hoping to get approval? There was n- there was no original schedule. That's the point because we're into sort of the, the realms of just this is something they've not really dealt with before. Other than Earl's Court, this is basically the biggest planning application they've ever had. But I understand that the relationship with the club and with the council is very cordial, it's very um, rewarding on both sides, and it seems to be progressing. Just waiting to, to see a committee date. Planners being planners, I mean, a year is nothing to them, isn't it? Losing time, you know, I do in that business. An application, a general application, can easily go on over a year. Yeah. Particularly one this size, yeah. One that size, yeah. Does the, the fact that, regardless of political party, we're going to have a new mayor next Friday, can that have an impact? Well, potentially it can have an impact because, I mean, once the planning process at local level is exhausted, there's a potential for it to go to appeal, or any time the mayor can, for whatever reasons, call in the plans and say, I want to actually sit and have a look at this, as the current mayor has done with Plough Lane at Wimbledon. Um, Boris has decided it's of strategic importance, so he needs to take it out of the hands of of the council and decide on it himself. Um, The... Boris, as mayor, has called in something like, I think it's 21 different plans, and every single one of them, other than Plough Lane, he's given the thumbs up to. Um, the expectation would be whoever wins the mayor election on Thursday might provide a slightly stronger level of scrutiny on planning, and I don't think we'll be quite as broad brush when it comes to just saying, yeah, we'll go ahead okay. with it. But the club would, would have factored that into any, uh, would into any so, planning yeah. process because, you know, yeah, for all we so. know, may have made 
approaches to the, the teams of the two main candidates, I guess. Yeah, quite yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, just to be clear, Charles Rose, who many of you will know know of, is the chair of um, Chelsea Pitch Owners. He would have been here today, but he had another commitment um, prior to the match. And he, he has spoken at trust meetings before. He sees the trust as a, as a natural ally of, of, of Chelsea pitch owners and we, we do I, I speak to him regularly and I know other, other trust board members do and I think the difference now compared with four or five years ago is that Charles is much more his, his, his skills at dialogue with, with all stakeholders with the club, with, with shareholders, with, with everybody I think is, is extremely strong and I think if there is a as Dan implied there may be a a sort of interesting route way ahead. I personally would have more, as much faith in Charles negotiating that successfully as I as I would certainly more more than the uh, the previous regime of uh, uh, of four or five years ago. I mean, we we don't know what what the club's intentions are, but you know, and and I know that Charles he obviously is having dialogue with people, but he obviously can't go can't go public on what that dialogue is. But I think he's extremely strong on stakeholder engagement, so I would expect that he's doing all he can to take soundings from the relevant people to, to minimise the shock. And I think anyone who was at the um, CPO AGM at the end of uh, January, I know it's not entirely representative, but the mood of the meeting was almost unanimous, apart from one person. I think everybody there thought that CPO should remain regardless of, uh, of any redevelopment of Stamford Bridge. And I think that's been uh, been taken on board, Charles. Yeah, I just Dan, I was interested in your your, your observation you made about extending the lease yep. on the C, on, on the CPO, which is quite an interesting thing. But clearly, I think how they did the Glazers took over Man United was effectively putting putting their TV rights deal uh, money into a special purpose vehicle. And looking at the quantum of TV rights deals, even for example, the relegated place at Villa in next season was basically £100 million next season. It doesn't take a genius to say that they could also take that approach over an extended period of time, uh, just if, if they do need to mortgage or get funding from that side, or obviously park variations of all the things you described as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it's all speculation at the moment because. Of course, the, the guy who knows really what's going on with this doesn't tend to talk to us too much. No. <laughs> um, maybe one or two people in this room, but uh, certainly not to me as a member of the press. OK, so, I mean, that's the redevelopment and pitch owners. Has anyone got any more questions, either on what Dan said or anything related to Chelsea pitch owners or, or, to, or to the redevelopment? Obviously, we do talk to the club and these issues come up, but obviously they're not... The first people they tell what's happening is not going to be board members of the Chelsea Sports Trust. So we may hear, you, you hear stories, but to, to actually get any hard news out is, is actually obviously, is quite different, quite rightly, because it's clearly commercially sensitive, so they're not going to share it more widely than they have to. Jules? Do you think it's really possible that Graham would give up a percentage of the club for Dave's going to hand up. Well, I've got a, I've got right. a slightly okay. different um, understanding of what's happening, really, as far as Chelsea Pitch Owners is concerned. Because when I spoke to them, they, I think they're going to leave Chelsea Pitch Owners in place. 
and they're not going to bother about it because they realise that this club's going to go ahead with or without it. So it's not going to be worth their while to cause a stink, really, because they know that if they do try and buy Chelsea, try and buy the ownership of the pitch from Chelsea Big Games, so the pitch owners won't have it. But, I, but, um, which know, is exactly what I'm hearing, yeah. And um, as far as the finance of it is concerned, Chelsea's going to borrow the money, Mr. Brandis is going to pay, pay the interest on the loan. Interesting. Probably should. Sorry, George, you were asking about. Would you, would you think it possible that Roman would sell a percentage of the club for the money? Well, I mean, we're into the realms of speculation again, aren't we? Um, but um, it, it would be the most readily available way of getting, you know, if, if you think about it's a, it's a great big capital project, and who's building all the capital projects at the moment it is the Chinese. It doesn't take much to put two and two together. It might be getting five, but you know. <laughs> But that, that would seem to be where, where the future may lie. All the ground staff were expecting to move at the end of next season, but I think it's been, it's been put on hold now. Yeah. We've also had a question by email from uh, Annie Murad, and it's a two-part question, one of which I'll cover now and one I'll cover later. It, it's, it's a more detailed one. It's, it's, when we return to the bridge, will we have back our own or old seat at the same season ticket pricing category we have now, they're concerned about being moved, forcibly moved somewhere else. I think it's too early to say, but certainly any dialogue we've had is that people should not be disadvantaged, people either in temporary stadium. Sorry. Yep. Well, what we've been told is that we're going to be offered our own seats back first. Well, there will be some movement because the away fans are going to be moved, so the people in the west side of the shed will be moved, so there will be some movement. The shed and harding up the corners go away. Yeah, middle tiers or the corporate up and talk behind the corner most of the time. Yeah, yeah, and like, so, yeah. that's what I worry about because I do wonder what the equivalent is because because if you sit in Matthew Harding or Shed Upper, that's that's really the the same height as the middle tier. Mm. Um, but don't forget, upper tiers in the new development will be really upper tiers right. because the pitch is going down as well, so they're going to be quite a long way above. Right. Yeah. So. But it's certainly something that the trust needs to get on yeah. to, I think, with uh, ticketing prices for the, for, for the stadium move as well, the temporary move, something imaginative has to be done with that, I think. Otherwise, I mean, assuming it's Wembley, um, will people go to Wembley on a Wednesday night in February for a Stoke game against Stoke, <laughs> you know, uh, given the transport difficulties, people coming from south of the river and what have you. So Chelsea have certainly got to be imaginative with that. And I think coming back to a new development, at least at least involving, <coughs> which I think they've alluded to, to be fair, um, extra um, juvenile discounts. You know, getting getting younger people in there. The whole point of getting all these corporate people into a new Stamford Bridge is to subsidise the price of their ordinary ticket. So hopefully, they'll get enough revenue from the corporates to see a decrease in the current price of, of you know, sort of uh, the, um, I don't know how to describe us, but the oik support. The long-term support. Well, <laughs> the the hoi polloi, as some yeah. people at Chelsea refer to. But you surely, you must be surely aware that the same, the same promise was, was made yeah. towards Arsenal fans. Yeah, but yeah, and, and it, yeah, it has but been, I'm, I'm just saying that they had no guarantee 
and how yeah, but Robert, can, the, mm -hmm. the thing about it is the bloke in charge, the bloke who's done all this work to get us as far as we can, is a Matthew Arden season ticket holder. He's Chelsea born, bred until he dies. He cut him open. He's blue all the way through. And and he's, no, I think he's yeah, yeah, but no, what yeah, happens but until on. he dies? What if the no, people no, who no, replace them? That's what I'm saying. No, yeah, but we're, so we're, we're talking, talking about, about the moment. now. He's talking about the consultants. Yes, what's yeah, but now, as far as the redevelopment of this ground is, the guy who is running it on behalf of Chelsea supporters and is liaising with everybody at the ground, uh, that club, because so he's got the architects in, he's got everybody involved in that ground, he's done it all himself. He's doing it with the best interest of Chelsea football. Right, but the, the reality right. is, history has shown that prices go up when clubs move grounds. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not casting aspersions on anybody, but history has shown that. But Arsenal... Yeah, Man City, well, well, West Ham. Fortunately, due to the negotiation skills of Karen Brady, aren't paying too much. But at this stage, yeah. the whole intention of yeah. him putting all those corporate yeah. people in is so yeah. corporate people subsidise the prices yeah. for their people in the lower but parts. I'm not, I'm not sure that's exactly the case. It is exactly the case. Well, well we, we haven't. This is Dave. This is not official. Information. It's, it's inside information because we know exactly what's happening. What I'm saying well, is that that would be what they would say, of course. But there's no no excuse whatsoever for raising prices for all no, of them. No, and we will so be putting... That was no, regardless, the regardless of corporate season tickets, yeah. that's totally irrelevant. Yeah, but Wayne, when these, when these plans were put into place, well, started to put into place three or four years ago, weren't they, Cliff? Yeah, right. Yeah. That was the state. That was the intention, and it's still yeah. the intention. Right. Now. But the reality Plus is, we as a trust board will be keeping an eye on that because that's a fundamental issue. It will be part of any discussions we have with the club on that. Because saying is one thing, do, is we know, do, doing is another. All, all I would say is that rather than me feel that I need to go down on my knees and thank the corporate citizens yeah. of the holders. Yeah, I would be more inclined to, in the spirit of the Liverpool fans this season, actually demand that they uh, lower the prices and uh, tell them, you know... Yeah, but Wayne, they were only demanding that they lowered the prices that they were going to put up next season, and they got those back, didn't Another they? false argument. Yeah, but no. I, don't think, I don't think they've, had, they've got, actually got any reductions in prices, Liverpool. I think well, they've got some they concessions. to that £79 yeah. ticket. Well, they need to, yeah. they need to yeah. do another, I, I, another I mean, there, arguably, the, the, the ticketing campaign that has gone on that has got the £30 uh, away caps for next season, obviously everyone must welcome that, but arguably it should have been done for ticket prices across the board for home and away yep. people, especially given the amount of money coming into the game well, with the TV deal. We've got a couple of questions... Uh, <laughs> Robert, then Martin, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the one point about, for instance, places like Liverpool is that the fan base there is limited, whereas a club like Chelsea, who has, is the city of London, they, they will never struggle to fit, fill in 60,000 people, even if mm -hmm. we as Chelsea supporters will... Yeah. No, no. I'm not sure that's how that Anyway, it's entitled to be the status of you. Okay? Yeah. The point is that if they say, like, look, we don't want to negotiate with you the prices because we are sure that we're going to make it attractive for the other people to come in, how we as the supporters ensure that the supporters' point is listened and the prices for the following seasons when the, the, the move is made will be secured. Because I personally, I worry about that the most. I mean, 
I generally believe that if the club will decide to increase prices by 30% because there is a regime change, it could be a caddy, it could be people who are, not, who are currently involved but in the future they may not be. It's going to be a caddy. It's a legitimate point, Rob. It is a legitimate point, and we but, are. I mean, I, I think it would be totally, totally unacceptable, not only by Chelsea fans, but by the rest of the Premier yeah. League, that if Chelsea start you know, looking at increased prices, given the amount of money coming into the game purely on the TV deal. Um, Everton, to be fair to them, who are not coming from the highest base for ticket prices, have actually reduced their <laughs> ticket prices for next year by 5% or something. And I think uh, their season tickets were. were, were Three, four hundred quid up there, and they're, and they're actually coming down yeah. in price. Some of them, so fair play if, if a club like Everton can do it. Mm-hmm. Why can't yeah. a club like Chelsea? Indeed. Indeed. All can. Martin, yeah. sorry, um, mentioned earlier the potential for Chinese investment in the redevelopment. Is that possible with the primary responsibility for Japanese companies? I think the, the Chinese economy these days is all about pragmatism and making money, isn't it? It's not really. I think old, old, old antagonisms have gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's also questionable human rights. Well, naturally. So. But then you could argue that with a number of Premier League yeah, colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm thinking more of some of our Middle East colleagues, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. If, if there's any, any more on, because I mean, these are the key topics, so what I'd actually like to do is move down the agenda and cover, as we touched on it, the, the temporary stadium. Because we've done some work on um, the extra cost and extra time it would take for supporters to travel to Wembley, to Twickenham and to Stratford. And for, it, we, if you travelled from Wimbledon, which a lot of people, a lot of people have just chosen, but we've, we've identified a number of places... And to get to Wembley, most of them would be an hour longer. So from Charing Cross to get here is 37 minutes. Clapham Junction is 52 minutes. Ealing Broadway is 50 minutes. They're all longer than the current journeys. So you've got that, and you've also got the extra travel costs. Because the travel costs will not go on. So there's a double edge that when we move, if we move to Wembley, or wherever we move, and whenever we go, that the club have to, and we've told them this, and we will certainly tell them this again, they have to be conscious of the impact on people's pocket and on people's time. If, as, as the point was made earlier, if, we, you know, if we're playing on a Tuesday night in February against Stoke City or a League Cup game against Blackburn Rovers in November, and it's no disrespect to either of those, they will struggle to sell the, the tickets on, on, on the current pricing. So I think they are aware. They've said it's too early. To, last time we talked to them, it was too early to discuss it. But it's only by raising it with them that you actually get it into their minds. And if it's not for another two years, then it's not for another two years. But I think it's fundamental to me that if we go into a bigger ground, the opportunities for young people, the opportunities to maybe attract back some of the people who haven't been able to afford to go in recent seasons because they've been priced out, they, the club really needs to take advantage of the fact that they're going to have that and, and, and incentivise people to go. And th- th- there's a related issue that if we go to Wembley, say it's, it's Wembley, and it's for three or four years and we come back, you then have the issue about season ticket holders, current ones who get temporary stadium and then want to renew. You get the ones who want to take a sabbatical because some people will not want to buy season tickets at Wembley or Stratford or wherever. You get people who will buy one at Wembley but haven't bought one here because Wembley happens to suit them. And then you've got the people who will be new and haven't had a season ticket at all before but want to buy one in the new ground. And the club needs to be very clear, very early, on what their priorities are there, how those people are treated. Because if they're not transparent up front before we move away, then you can see people making decisions 
and suddenly discovering when we go back to the new ground that they can't get a season ticket. Well, well with, with, with regards to that, Tim, I think their, their quote, their current procedure with the membership, you know, if, mm. if you want a, a new season ticket the next season, then you have to get the membership points from yep. this season. If anyone doesn't take up their season ticket option for, for Wembley, then they're back there yep. to the back of the queue. They have to start again. But, they, for, but you know, that's, that's their current if policy. That's the case, but they need to be very clear with specific regard to the temporary stadiums. I just have a concern. It will be a confused message and people three years down the road will be very disappointed. Martin, who, are, who should be pointed out, lives very close to Wembley. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to NordVPN.com dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Yeah. So am I. Is it feasible to play, say, cup games, League Cup, FA Cup, another ground? Is Wembley going to be a hard sell for cup games? Um, I, I, I don't think it's part of their um, policy to allow that at the moment, Martin. I, I, I think I've read somewhere, it's a good point, of course, but I think I've read that they have to commit at the start of the season to play all games at, at, at one stadium. Well, know, all, it's all Premier League games. Yeah, and I think it might, I think it might be all domestic oh, okay, games sorry. as well because you had the point with Arsenal at the time when uh, they were still playing, I think, at Hybrid and they were playing their Champions League games at Wembley. Yeah. Yeah. So there might be a distinction with European games. There's been mentions of Wembley and Milton Keynes. That story broke this morning. They were going to play their probably play their Champions League games at Wembley and uh, domestic games at, for next season. I mean, I don't, Dan, I don't know if you've heard any more on any of this. Not really, no. Nothing no. I can add really, I don't think. But, I mean, the, the temporary stadium, I think the club, to be, to be fair to them, sold the idea that there was short-term pain, long-term gain very early on in the process. And I know people are now starting to say, oh, no one will go to Wembley, but it's clearly not practical to play at Stamford Bridge while the ground's being rebuilt because of the, yeah. 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 But, but the way they're doing it you know, 
it, it would be very difficult now to do that. I'm so sure, I'm sure there's ways yeah. around it. I'm sure there are. Because, would, I mean, initially it would, yeah. I mean, the first couple of seasons we'd be playing to reduce capacity, but after that it would be up and above what we're playing at at the moment. But the pitch is going down 15 metres, that's yeah, the big difficulty. Yeah, that's the big thing, yeah. Yeah. Why are they lowering the pitch? Down. Why? They have to. And also, yeah. the, the point that was made about how high the stands are going to be, that is because it's got to be at that angle, because any other angle going out, we'd have to be, that stand would have to be more or less on the edge of where the, um, the shed actually starts, you know, to, to get that many people in, which is why they've had to go down and, and it's yep. like that rather than a place. Nobody's going to be more than, what is it, 80 metres from the halfway line, from yeah. the um, centre well, spot yeah. in that ground. Uh, unlike Stratford next season, as we may yeah. well find. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To our cost. Binoculars in the back of the seat. Yeah. Like shoe off and well, sure, Karen Brady can get <laughs> taxpayer to pay for it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Has anyone got any more on the on the temporary stadium? And we, obviously we don't know any more. And it may well be that it is going to be delayed an extra year. But we are, we've started dialogue with the club on it. We will continue to raise the issue and we'll just have to see are we, just, where are, we are go. Are we thinking that it is Wembley or Stratford? Is that realistic? Well, the only thing I, I have no inside knowledge, all I would say is, and Dave, David is closer to Twicken than me, that, that the opposition from the council, yeah, they, 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 they really don't want to. Shut, they, like, they tried it during the World <laughs> Cup, shutting the A3-1-6 yeah, during yeah, the game. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think... That um, what do you call it? Um, Whitton Road mm-hmm. closes yeah. uh, every game. And yeah. that, you know, yeah. it's all right. Sort of half a dozen times a year when rugby's there, but I don't think they'll wear it for nine. No, another twenty-five games. games a season with you know, it's won't have. I'd love it. Ramsey, it's all back to mine from yeah. T. Yeah. Hold you for that, <laughs> Ramsey. Um, do we know anything about like club offices while they're not in the ground? Down, like, well, we offices, club offices, all that sort of. We stuff. have raised the point. The ticket office. Will it be at Wembley? Will it be in Fulham, the club shop? All these sorts of issues. I mean, it's not the, the, the most strategic issue, but they are issues that need to be... We are um, at the last fans forum meeting, CFC UK, asked, so they won't let us have a... The club don't want us to have a dual representation. You know, some, you can't be on the board and be a member of CS, uh, you know, CFC UK, Mr Beard. Myself found out because we got keep get thrown off the trust, the um, the um, fans war, but um, they um, what's it called? <laughs> 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 the ticket, the ticket office and club shop. We asked, we asked the club whether, <laughs> because of the concern expressed to me and other people about their future employment, we asked what the club's doing about the employees that they currently have got and um, they've got no plans they, they, they've got no they've got nothing they can announce to reassure them people as to their future but the, t- the, the location of the ticket office is an issue clearly yeah, is. because people some people go and pick them up or, or actually buy them there and the other point as well 
for the away coaches where where they will leave to go to away games. You know, people people come up here yep. in the club, yes. let people park their cars in the in the uh, in the ground. So that's another issue, obviously. For people. At the end of the day, I'd rather have three or four years of like sodding about and getting new ground rather than, you know, at the end of the day, as Tim said, you know what I mean? It's short term pain for long term gain, yep. really. And at right. the end of the day, if we're away from here for three years and we get a top, top stadium, it wouldn't bother me. I mean, maybe as a, as a compromise, uh, if we are going to be playing at Wembley, we could have the away coach pick up in Twickenham. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that would suit the coaches. Where did you last take a club coach way? Was it 1971? Okay. Right, so. Sorry, how are we doing to time? What's it? All right, yeah, we're okay. We're fine. Um, Right, so we've covered the redevelopment, the pitch owners and the temporary stadium, all of which are linked. I think the next issue we, we had on the, the list that we asked about in the survey and the motions at the AGM was on atmosphere and safe standing. Now, clearly safe standing is going to be related to the new stadium. They're not going to put safe standing into, into Stamford Bridge. And if we move to Wembley or... Well, 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 no, I'll, no, I'll the existing one. The, oh, right, the yeah, existing yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the existing one. Right. Yeah, the new one. Exactly. So the pressure has to be on the new, or the focus has to be on the new stadium. And if they introduce it at Stratford, it will be because of West Ham, not because of us, I suspect. And similarly at Wembley. But who knows? I mean, the campaign, the national campaign continues, and it may be that by the time. We're having to do detailed design issues that may have moved further, but uh, well, the, the, the new stadium, as far as I know, is designed with the rake of the lower tiers being being sufficient to take safe standing. It has to be a certain rake, a certain angle for for safe standing to be allowed. If it's too steep, it can never put safe standing in. But they've got that in mind with the new lower tiers all the way round. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that it would be implemented all the way round, but I mean, at least behind each goal. You know, as, it, as it was the case in the old stadiums, it, it always had to stand behind the goals. Then, then, then it can be done at the new Stanford Bridge. And in, in terms, of, sorry, see. Sorry, can I just ask a question of, of Dan actually, which is, um, in your, you know, as a journalist, are you are you hearing anything about, say, standing about the Premier League or the government, and also after the Hillsborough inquest, whether that makes any difference to? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's bubbling on quietly in the background. Chelsea's position is very, very fence-sitting on it. Um, no strong opinions either way, officially. But I think a lot of the Premier League clubs are in the same position. I think they're waiting for legislation. The issue is going to be there's no real political will for legislation at the moment. Certainly it wasn't in the last Queen's speech and it won't be in the next one. Um, well, given with the outcome of the uh, Hillsborough inquest, and that, that might draw a line under as, as far as the uh, Hillsborough families are concerned, which that was always a, a major stumbling block to introduce <coughs> standing at, at, at any ground in the country. So there were three, there were three clubs that were vehemently against it. All three have to be on those as well. Well, yeah, understandably. Yeah. So. Understandably. The one in favour is going as being relegated. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> it may be some before Aston Villa's Premiership because they are actually. They, they were keen to be a, a pilot, weren't they? Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. Celtic are introducing it at Celtic Park for next season, but obviously that's under different legislation yeah. in, the, in the Scottish Parliament. OK, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. And in terms of atmosphere, it would be fair to say there are members of the Trust Board, Neil, David and Ian, who are regularly 
and Richard, sorry, regularly talking to the club on atmosphere issues, both in terms of the current ground and critically the longer term issue, because we see going over old ground, we see the, the opportunities for enhanced atmosphere in the new ground as an absolute fundamental when the ground is redeveloped. Um, the conclusions of the Taylor report were prejudiced by the perjured evidence by Sir Richard Police. Is there any chance of that being revisited at some point? The recommendations, the recommendations by the conclusions of the Taylor report were because of what South Yorkshire Police claimed yep. came to different conclusions. Well, it, it, it's yeah. interesting whether... I mean, the person most likely to push some of that stuff, I know he's not in the government, but probably someone like Andy Burnham now, because of, because of the findings and because he's been involved and stuff. But... I don't know where the push politically is going to come from, because although Cliff and I, I think we attended... There was something... We've been to a couple of things where a few MPs have been. They're not in government, and I, I, I'm not sure the current... Government, you know, it's not been in the Queen's speech, and it's not. Unfortunately, it's never going to be a priority. It's like the thing about not allowing alcohol on supporters' trains. It's wrong. It's not as important as so but it's wrong. But it, there'll never be legislation to change it because it's never a big enough political issue. So it's just some that people have to. Have so to, have to trust just just Neil, though, you talked about um, atmosphere. You talked about the new yeah. ground. In the interim, when we go to the temporary ground, which might be Wembley. There's a real opportunity there to trial some ideas that the club have always said before we can't do because of one reason or another. So that's one of the things yep. we're talking to the club about is the price of tickets, the proximity of people, uh, unreserved seating, younger people getting in. Wendy's massive, we're going to struggle to fill it. So the club can find out through those two or three years what things work and yep. what things don't work. So we're really keen that they try things yep. out at Wembley or wherever it is, get it right and then implement that for the new ground. So that's definitely one thing on that we're trying to do. Yep. Just that thing on, sorry, same standing, that the um, Taylor report. <laughs> the trouble with the Taylor report is although the police, the South Yorkshire police have been found to have um, you know, adopted the evidence and stuff like that, there's loads of recommendations that Lord Justice Taylor asked to be implemented that haven't been implemented, such as like, um, you know, replacing terraces with seats, the seats shouldn't cost any more than the terraces. Yeah. Than the terracing, and there's loads, you know, that that just that Lord Justice Taylor report is shouldn't have as many black marks against it as it as it has done now that the South Yorkshire police evidence has been brought into question because it for football supporters that's more than brought into question though. <laughs> 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 Sorry, it's been more than brought into question. I mean, they were clearly lying. But no, I, I take your point. It, it was done at the time in view of what was the, the yeah. consensus but of the thing. Better than it's being painted yeah. now. And no, it, I did. It did a lot of positive. It recommended a lot of positive things. Yeah. The problem was because of the prevailing political climate, they didn't get implemented. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Ramsey. Yeah. Um, the mention of Wembley and atmosphere is, is quite a good reminder because we've all been to Wembley, I'm sure, a few times. <laughs> when I call, call it the Ring of Death, yes. you know what it is. You know what yep. it is at Arsenal as well. Yep. That's what we're building, isn't it? Yeah. Our middle tier at Chelsea, apart from between the cornflakes, is going to be corporate. I don't. I, I hate to be totally negative. I don't know what you're going to do that's actually going to create an atmosphere in the new ground if you have that little insulating ring killing the atmosphere. Yeah, and I, I do have a concern. They said they weren't going to build no, the ring ground, but, they, the flags now. but their, the their plan, the planning documents talk about some club or something behind, you know, the middle tier behind the goal. So I suspect that that's some sort of enhanced pricing. Um, you know, so there will be a ring. Mm. Completely around? No, they're saying the corporate will be the, the 
the sides, but behind the goals, in their planning documents, they say that it'll be club seating or something. I mean, Some it, other it's very clear on the diagrams in the planning application that the sides, they said the sides will be corporate, the ends will be fans. And you look at the diagram and it yeah. shows the fans start at the corner flag behind the goal. So, you know, that last little section before the corners, all of that, all of that stuff all the way around, Harding yeah. and Shed Ends, is now corporate. That makes the middle tier, apart from the little section, some of which is going to be away fans, that's, that's corporate. Yeah, but I'm sure really, really yeah. Bad, yeah. yeah, but the guy who's in charge, the guy who's, whose whole concept this new ground is, is main priority, is his number one concern is getting is getting the supporters to get behind that team. Atmosphere is at the top of his agenda. Dave, Dave, you, you know we've heard before from the club that behind the goals is where atmosphere is generated. Yeah. Everybody's agreed that every ground that has an atmosphere is We may have agreed it, but in the planning document... Yeah, but see, you, the guy who's put in... The Dave, guy whose brains is all behind this, he's 100% on our side, and I think right. that I think until the club go against what he's done, I think every, I think as far as that ground's concerned, and his planning, for the people like us who, who worry about an atmosphere and follow our team, I think we're in safe hands personally. Well, experience will tell, but uh, anyway. Okay, so that's atmosphere and safe standing. The next issue, we've covered partly already, ticketing and supporter issues. I mean, the big news, obviously, since the last meeting was the £30 away cap, but as Cliff rightly said... We've now got the anomalous position where people could be paying £60 sitting in next to away supporters paying, paying 30 So the campaign, although it's successful in terms of the way ticketing, that cannot be the end of it because you, it, it, the more I think about it, the more it frustrates me that 10%, what's it, most grounds is 8 10% sort of away fans? Five. five between five, okay, <clears throat> sorry, 5%. Are, pay, are getting a lot less. I know they've got the, the, the travel cost, but it does. It, it, it's an, it's anomalous now, I yeah. think, and and that's what well, you'd know better than me. But yeah. it, that's where the energy will now go nationally, I think. Yeah, well, it, uh, as I say, I think it, that was our initial concerns against the twenty years uh, twenty years plenty campaign that that um, if the clubs relented and they have to an extent with the thirty pound price cap, would they say and then. All football organisations go back to them and say, well, look, now can we deal with home ticket prices? And I said, well, hold on, we're just giving you yeah. 30 quid away tickets. What more do you want, you know? We, that was the, Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it would be nice. Um, just to just sort of cut back on something there, but uh, to be fair to Chelsea, they, they have said that alongside the uh, £30 cap tickets for next season, they will continue with the subsidised travel. So, you know, they're going to be running the trains and the coaches, which is... A, Always a good thing, I think. Chelsea's been at the forefront of yeah. that since 2005, since Mr. Bramwood so, took yeah. over. It's going to be cheaper to go to away games next season. Yeah, yeah. And, and there still might be the possibility of the, those £30 tickets being subsidised again by the club, as they have done on a number of cases uh, this year, knocking, knocking the tenner off. Arsenal not £4 off. Yeah, so Arsenal, all their away tickets prices will be 26 quid for next year. Didn't they use the additional £200,000 they usually put towards Yeah, the away fans initiative fund, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, all I would say, and I know my certain people on the board always say, oh, it's great that the club's done it, and yes, yes, it is welcome. But I would firmly say that with TV rights effectively going up by £20 million, putting £1 million or even £2 million on is actually fairly negligible. 
What? However great it sounds, Charles, it's always very difficult to move the needle. No, I understand. If you were Mr. you wouldn't move the needle. No, no, I understand but that. I'm just, as a general... Yeah, no, I don't it, exactly it, for sure. It's effectively like, it is, it's no different to something like being giving Amios points or being given a free coffee and waitress or tea. <laughs> right. No, hang on, Charles. Listen, um, what's his name from um, the FSF thingy, Stoke? Uh, Malcolm Clark. Clark, right. Malcolm Clark, they, the most probably vocal um, support representative there is nationally. Right. Six or seven years ago, he was saying clubs could let supporters in for absolutely nothing to every league game and still make a profit. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that was six or seven yeah. years ago. Was that what, that what, one you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. What things have moved on financially? One point on travel. I had a meeting with the Premier League and we talked about trains. And particularly Virgin Trains and how Chelsea get batted away and other clubs get told, oh, you can't use Lime Street, so they just don't run trains to Liverpool. Chelsea, to their credit, go back and say, what about using another station? And what's clear is that some other clubs sort of send an email to Virgin, Virgin come back and say, oh, it might be a bit difficult, and they just don't do it. And to Chelsea's credit, they do when they can... And if, if, the, if it's clear to me that if Chelsea aren't running a train to a, a game where it's difficult to get back on public transport, you know, a, a night game up north, then that's not down to Chelsea, it's down to the, uh, to the intransigence of the rail companies. And what the Premier League are trying to do, and I wish them luck on this, is to try and actually have dialogue with the train companies and, and almost get some sort of mandated thing, but the... the the, the norm would be to run trains and they would be, would be you know, subsidised. But, I mean, to Chelsea's credit, and I know Cliff and I have talked about this before, because sometimes the reason they don't announce trains is because they're still in negotiation. They can't, they're not going to announce it until they know it's definitely happening. But I, you know, I, I think that's one, one feather in the cap that Chelsea have that uh, a num- number of other clubs don't. And, and the price is very, very yeah. big. You know, ten pounds to yeah. get to Manchester and back, or Liverpool and back on the train is, is incredible. Tom- Sunderland's fantastic. Thomas, yeah, yeah. Top- quid, ten quid off the ticket. Yeah. Tottenham have done a the train. Fantastic. Tottenham have done a couple of subsidised trains over the years, but they, uh, <laughs> they, they um, um, for one reason or one another, they, yes. they're not allowed to do them anymore. But uh, they were charging twenty-five. Quid. And Man United so, run, run run them from London. Thomas Cook run them at fifty quid. Yeah, you know so. That's what that's what we would pay to go to Manchester if it wasn't for the for the club subsidy. Anyway, yeah. Um, if if they're looking at trying to get the, the train companies more on board, yeah. some sort of commitment, shouldn't they start, sort of start putting the house in order by fixing kickoff times two well, months in advance yeah, well, rather than three? The reason weeks? I had this meeting with with Cathy Long at the Premier League was because Every month, I email her and say, where are the TV fixtures for a couple of months' time? Every month, I, you know, regular as clockwork. And she comes back and says, oh, we're just finalising a few things. And then, sort of about five weeks before, when it's supposed to be a minimum of six, they sort of, the, the, the fixtures get announced. And I've, we talked to other trusts to try and get them to put more pressure on. I mean, at the end of the day, the TV companies call the shots. It was clear, Cliff and I went to a meeting with the uh, Met Police, British Transport Police, on Thursday, with the Spurs Trust. And... It was clear that the police did not have a say or a real say in the kickoff time tonight. It was decided. It was decided by the sky. So you know, that's where the power lies. It doesn't lie with the authorities. It lie or the, or the Premier League. It lies with the TV companies, which amazes me.
the, the thing is, with the police can't be seen not to be able to police a football match. So, so when Barack Obama was like, this was an example it was given to me. When Barack Obama was over recently, they had sixteen thousand Met police on 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 the ground. So, for for a piddly little football match, Chelsea v Tottenham, they can't be seen not to be able to police that comfortably. So, as far as we've been told, they've only ever objected to I think two kick-off times <coughs> over the years with teams. One was a Tottenham Arsenal game, which was scheduled to be 5.30 kick-off, I think. And one was a Man City, Man United um, semi-final at Wembley. Um, so for all the talk out there, there's always, they're always willing. The club are blaming the TV over the kick-off times. The TV are blaming the police. The police are blaming, blaming both. So there's always a, a little bit of a sort of... Um, well, Passing the buck going on, if you like, but but that's what we've been told yeah. from the police. Yeah. Okay. So if they if they bother, it's the fan, it's the supporters who actually take the pay the cost of it. Yeah. And it's also the police. Yeah. And uh, you know, issues of public safety should not be determined by TV companies. No, I, I agree completely. Without, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. So I mean, this issue requires more profile. Yeah. Because we will. An eight o'clock start for a derby game with Tottenham is daft. Yeah. On a bank holiday. It's a public safety issue just waiting to explain. Well, the, point, the point has been made, but, you know, and I think it's something maybe next season, I mean, you don't want to get too prescriptive on this stuff, but it's the, the TV companies have too much power. They decide when games are and they decide when the announcement is going to be. And I talked to the Premier League, don't know how many times last season, about every week that there's a delay in the announcement, the, the train prices go up. It's a fact. They don't come down, they go up. And, and clubs have less time to organise their, their transport and supporters have less time to take leave, and etc, etc. And they say, oh yeah, we hear what you say, but the TV companies, blah, blah, blah. So the, the power in the game, because they pay the money, they call the tune. It's, 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 can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah, sorry, Dan. Um, the rail industry sets its... Um uh, timetable is 13 weeks in advance, mm-hmm. T13 they yeah. call it. Um, so uh, advanced tickets go on sale 13 yeah. weeks before the day. Is, is that a pipe dream? Is that ever likely to be a reality? Well, the, the TV companies will say that they need the flexibility because of the, you know... Like, I mean, I don't think we're always going to have a season where yeah. Leicester comes... No, no, you know. I, 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 I know. <laughs> we should be able to predict who, who yeah. the teams to watch next season. No, I, I agree. And I think this is something that we need to work with the Supports Direct and Football Supports Federation next season actually try and up the profile of this whole thing because the Premier League make a noise, make nice noises, but they clearly don't call the shots. Martin, the employer TV companies, you know, moving kit on times, showing the archaic rule going is blackout with three o'clock Saturday, but you cannot televise a game on in this country at three p.m. on Saturday. If that was lifted, you'd be able to televise a game, not move the kick off, TV get what they want, and fans might be inconvenienced. I suspect the impact on lower leagues yeah, and non-league would be, you know, yeah. Yeah. it also yeah, required parliamentary so time as well. That might be the other. argument, but they still have like second and third or whatever the old fourth and third yeah. division is called now. They still have those games on these international weekends yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So I don't know what the difference is. Except yeah. the fact they've got to play more games in their league. Well. Sure. 
Sorry, Charles. Yeah, I was going to say, the, argue, the argument used by the TV companies, I mean, what they're effectively talking about is if they were actually really talking about a few get weeks towards the end of the season, because actually Sky this year announced all its fixtures virtually up until January in August. So it's all they're really only talking is, 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 is about, and there's no reason why they can't. I mean, yes, I mean, they have moved a couple of games where they said, oh, because of a, 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 the League Cup final and stuff like that. So they forced Leicester to play Arsenal, I think it was at midday. Thursday. Yeah, or whoever it was. Yeah. Oh. They haven't really got much of an excuse, but what they should do is put in a clause in the contract that if they decide to do that, yeah. they should actually be forced to pay. Yeah. The, the, uh, uh, a certain amount to the clubs that can then pay for their transportation if they've already booked things. Yeah. Like yeah. like well, that. I know that when yeah. Chelsea got messed about, and it was a Thursday night in Everton, wasn't there? Six, seven years ago, and they ran, they ran free trains and free match tickets because of that exact reason. Season, we're going to have Friday night games yeah. and stuff like that. So it's yeah. going to be. It's going to get before. worse, but yeah. it's something we need, we need to. We need to take, I'm just a little bit conscious of time. Can uh, me and Richard just offer our apologies? Yep. We've got to go and do some yep. flag folding. No problem. <laughs> right. Tim, while these guys are leaving, just one last point. The American sports, they set out the fixtures at the start of the season. Yeah. They don't do it the last one. Don't have you seen yep. um, yeah. yeah. Somehow they managed to get all of those done before. Uh, would, would people, just, would we, people like to take a two or three minute break, get a quick drink, go to the loo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll take a three or four minute break. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.